welcome to Horror Wars. I'm Amber Brooke, and you can follow me at amber.brooke32 on Instagram. First and foremost, not only is this show about putting OG horror films against their remakes, it's also, as you guessed it, a show about horror movies. With that in mind, please remember there will be some unsavory content discussed. That includes, but is not limited to, nudity, rape, torture, blood, viscera, carnage, violence, and the most controversial thing of all, spoilers. (laughs) But seriously though, there could be anything in between you may get offended about. Just keep that in mind. And secondly, there's a lot of hard to pronounce names out there. Rob and Josh do their best, but they're not trained in how to correctly say all sorts of foreign names. So bear with them. Finally, if none of this bothers you, we've got nothing else to say. So get ready for a battle like no other. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. spooky cuties, hair-raising homies, freaks, geeks, and anything in between with a butthole. I'm Rob. I'm Josh. And <laughs> this is Horror Wars. Part two. Part two. We are the horror show that puts original horror movies against their remakes in an all-out war to determine which will reign supreme. We do this with a series of scores that we give to one or the other to see which one comes out on top. This week we have The Wicker Man versus The Wicker Man, which I am super fucking excited for. Same. Not only that, but we also have multiple segments throughout the show as well. Mm-hmm. I began. Horror News is where we discuss current events going on in the horror world and our company too. Horror Club is where we review a horror film book club style and we're and we'll provide a bit of background before we give it a grading pass. Oh, a grading of a grading of pass right or by. And then we get into our top five mm-hmm. list of the week. And this week we have a super fucking awesome top five. Like, I mean, Horror Club is Midsommar, and this week's top five is like top five folklore horror films it's pretty good this is gonna be a good it's, it's pretty fucking good and it goes toe in toe with wicker man and midsommar and then um at the end we're gonna talk some horror video games which are all based off of folklore and it's gonna be a top 15 from i think it was a gaming I don't remember. website um so then we're gonna discuss that as well so with that, we're going to close up shop for the episode, answering questions and reading comments from you, which we actually have four of today oh, sure. from people that haven't asked previously. So nice. This is pretty fucking dope. So um, with that being said, why don't we get ready to hop 
on into the news. News. And here we are for our beautiful horror news. Horror news. Adieu. <laughs> Adieu. So I'm going to read the first bit. Josh is going to read the second. I'm going to read the third. And then Josh is going to take us out with the mind-shattering fourth bit of news that just broke late last night on the East Coast. So the first bit of news is animated Batman horrors. Also, by the way, all of the news from today is from bloodydisgusting.com, so please go ahead and visit them and try to check them out weekly to, for their horror news as it breaks. So, Animated Batman Horrors. The 1920s-based storyline finds explorer Bruce Wayne accidentally unleashing an ancient evil, expediting his return to Gotham City after a two-decade hiatus. The logic-slash-science-driven Batman must battle Lovecraftian supernatural forces threatening the sheer existence of Gotham. Hmm. Along the way, being aided and confronted by reimagined versions of his well-known allies and enemies, including Green Arrow, Ra's al Ghul, Mr. Freeze, Killer Croc, Two-Face, James Gordon, and Bruce's beloved wards, Batman The Doom That Came to Gotham will be available to own on digital 4K and Blu-ray on March 28th, 2023. Does that have a trailer? Yes, it does. I'm going to have to check that and out. It is out. fucking wild. Yeah, I didn't know this was uh, like a thing. Yeah, definitely a thing. So um, it's coming out in a couple months. The trailer looks beautiful. And I forget who wrote it, but it's like an extremely known writer as well good so it's uh oh i think it was mike magnolia you know um no the guy that created hellboy yeah yeah you know did you ever notice like dc animated movies are so much more popping than marvel but marvel's got the live action movie the live action yeah it's It's crazy science so go ahead and um check out this late breaking news as well it pertains to something very fun and and you know friendly podcast of ours Mm -hmm. horror script podcast shout outs Rich and Miles, we always do review episodes with them. So this has given us a a nice little happy feeling that in October we're going to get together again. So go ahead and take away with this second bit of news. So Don Mancini teases more legacy characters. Chucky season three was just ordered for U.S. and sci-fi last week, and it's coming later this year. In a new chat for the USA Network's official website, Mancini teases that more legacy characters could be coming in the near future. I can only stay say stay tuned, Manzini says. But you know, of course, there are others. There are uh, there are potentials on deck. Stay tuned. <clears throat> <sighs> Who hasn't Don Manzini brought back into the fold up to this point? Detective Mike Norris, Chris uh, Saradon, hasn't appeared in the franchise since the original classic, and the same is true for Karen Barclay, Catherine Hicks. And then there's Tyler, Jeremy uh, Silvers. I believe that's how you say it. Yeah, it looks like it, yeah. Um, from Child's Play 3, who survived the events of the 1991 sequel, but was never seen or heard from again. Never say never in the world of Chucky. So, yeah, I'm super excited for season three. Did you ever watch season two? I started it. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. What did you think of like the first whatever episode you watched of it? Better than season one. 
Yeah, I think episode one of season two was kind of lackluster, but that's because they spent too much time reintroducing the characters for some reason. And that was the episode we were on the Harshford podcast for. Yeah, yeah. Um, But after that, everything just became like banger after banger, so... Because I remember seeing you say stuff on um, Facebook about like, please bring it back. Yeah, yes, and they did. So it's really awesome. Now, oh yeah, my favorite part of the news here today: <clears throat> Scream Six trailer, New York New Rules. The official teaser trailer for Scream Six slashed its way onto the internet last month, and today, as promised, the full official trailer for this year's Scream Six has been unleashed. One thing this latest trailer makes it a point to stress is that the surviving characters of the past movies are dealing with a very different Ghostface killer than ever before. One who seems to have a fanatical obsession with the various killers who paved the way. We even get a glimpse of a shrine to the history of Ghostface, which features various costumes and props. There's never been one like me, Gail. This latest GoFace says to Gail Weathers on the phone in what looks to be a particularly intense scene with the trailer suggesting that Gail may not be getting out of this killing spree alive, which I called. Um, It's going to be sad to see her go, but um, she's going to go out like a fucking legend, just like Dewey did in the last one. So... It's it's gonna happen. It's gonna be scary. It's gonna be wild, and we're gonna be sad. But <laughs> we also get a, we also get a glimpse of the returning Kirby Reed from Scream Four, who's now a fucking cop, with Hayden Panettiere reprising the role she first played in 2011. That's so cool. Keep your eyes peeled for Samara Weaving as well, who makes a brief appearance in the new brand, in the brand new movie. The Scream Saga continues with the four survivors of the Ghostface killings as they leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter. Scream 6 comes to theaters on March 10th, 2023, and I am jizzing in my fucking pants. Do we know what day that, if that's like a weekend or is that a normal day? Uh, it's probably going to be a Friday. Um, oh, that sucks. Yeah, but it's going to be a Thursday for the uh, release, like Thursday at like 8 p.m. or something. Mm. So, yeah. Poop. But hey, man, that trailer, though. That yeah, dude. That to me, like this version of Ghostface, it almost feels like a like a mercenary underneath of that shit. Because in the the trailer in the convenience store, like in the beginning of it, the way that he dodged that dude yeah, shooting dude. that shotgun, he looked yeah. like a literal wraith. Yeah, it looked cool as hell. Yeah, it did. And, and it looks so brutal. My man just guts someone. Yeah, within the first like ten seconds of the trailer, it's fantastic. And the fucking when Gail's talking to him on the phone. And he kills, he takes the fucking dude from behind and kills him and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, man. Like, that's the part of the trailer that everybody thinks that Gail is not going to make it out of the movie alive for. So, um, but yeah, can't wait for it. It's going to be super awesome. And Josh gets to talk about the crazy fucking news that broke around like 1030 last night. So, sir, go ahead. So that news is a... It's some Friday the 13th news. Light Disgusting has uncovered a big-time scoop to finish off the week, learning that Sean S. Cunningham, Friday the 13th, is not only working to get his own Friday the 13th reboot off the ground, but he's also developing a reboot of a horror movie he produced back in 1985, House. In addition, Cunningham is producing an original film titled The Night Driver, working alongside writer Jeff Locker and Jeremy Weiss. Weiss? That sounds familiar. Weiss. 
mm-hmm. that's been in a couple other movies on the various mm-hmm. upcoming projects. So it's fucking huge that Sean S. Cunningham is being able to get the groundwork going for a brand new Friday the 13th movie series. Like, it's awesome. Horror is popping. It's fucking popping. I'm, I'm so glad that the court proceedings are done with this shit. I'm so glad that the people get to do their own thing again and that established grounds are there for character use. So it's, it's going to be awesome. Now they did say Sean Cunningham did say in the same interview that, um, it's going to try and coincide with the, uh, prequel TV series. that's going to be happening on, I think it was Peacock or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, if it can't, then they actually have an idea that can build off of the first two Friday the 13th movies nice. from the 80s. So Given Beacon. it's very interesting to see what road they decide to go down, but I'm ready to see Jason back on the fucking big screen. Right oh, now. man. I just hope that they make him brutal. Yeah, dude. Like the 2009 mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. Yep. Jesus fucking Christ. That shit was absolutely super fucking dope and we've talked about it before in the archives we have we absolutely have so um yeah uh lots of fucking news today and we were going to talk about the last of us um first episode here but in the news have to wait a little bit but uh we actually have a video game section this week (laughs) so we're gonna end the video game section talking about the last of us episode one and um how close did it actually follow the video game? Well, we're going to have to find out. Ooh, nice. And there's the na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-
So as we kind of mentioned earlier, the war portion of the show is we take the original one and put it against the remake. We kind of go dollar for dollar production wise. We have um, trivia. We have where you can watch the movie. And by the way, that is coming from Just Watch as always. Um, please look at JustWatch.com to stay ahead of everything because it's going to show us where you guys can watch it as this episode is. So two weeks from now, it could change and one streaming service could lose the streaming rights to it, whatever have you. Um, so just, you know, keep going to justwatch.com and do it for any movie, actually, because uh, it keeps up your one-stop shop for um, where you can watch, rent, buy, do whatever you want to do. So with that being said, we do have a criteria that we go by when we do our judging system. So you're going to hear me open up my piece of paper because as with every episode, Josh and I record our um, tallies before we record the episode and neither of us knows what the other one's going to pick. Mm -hmm. So the categories are acting, directing, writing slash plot, killer or killers, casting, soundtrack, gore and kills, pacing, time period, environment. We do have two joke categories that technically turned into real categories for this episode. Mm -hmm. For those of you that have been following along, we haven't done the joke categories in about what seven episodes, maybe eight episodes. Uh, more now. than that. It's been a while. It's been a while because there hasn't been any nudity. We kind of veered away from that. So, yeah, we actually have nudity and porn today <laughs> <laughs> that takes place in the movies. <laughs> So oh, we, we didn't have to do, you know, any rule 34 of the inter the internet of if it exists, <laughs> there's porn of it because it's in the fucking movies, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Um, <laughs> so those are the categories and I'm going to get started right now with the original one, the liquor man runtime is one hour and 27 minutes. Now the release date is 1974. For audiences around the world, but December 6, 1973, for those in the United Kingdom. So that's what I'm going by. It was produced by Peter Snell. Production company was British Lion Films. Now the budget is converted into US dollars and the box office is converted into US dollars. So the budget was $619,449. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It only made 76,701 bucks. That's kind of sad. That's kind of sad. Um, especially when you go into the top, not the top 10, but the, um, 10 trivia facts. It, there's a little bit of sadness in that. Oh, goody. Um, screenplay by Anthony Schaefer, directed by Robin Hardy, cinematography by Harry Waxman. Edited by Eric Boyd Perkins. Music by Paul Giovanni. You can currently watch or rent. Uh, uh, where to watch? You can rent or buy The Wicker Man on Apple iTunes. <laughs> Same, Same dude. Apple, uh -huh. Same dude. Right. <laughs> Apple iTunes, Amazon Video, YouTube, Voodoo, Redbox, and DirecTV as a download. Um, as per usual, Josh and I are extremely fucking big. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we had some purple haze provided by myself. And what did you have today, sir? I, black eye. That's what black it was eye. Mm -hmm. Well, it's given us a fucking black eye. Um, ratings for this movie. This this is also something that's changed today. Seven point five out of ten on IMDb. Ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy shit! And eighty one percent on Just Watch. Goodbye, Letterbox. I, guess. I decided to take away Letterboxd because the platform's kind of falling, and nobody really uses this metric anymore. Salute to my child, um, <laughs> who just sneezed like a fucking ninja fighting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I decided to add the Just Watch. Okay. Because we utilize Just Watch in every episode. So that is replacing Letterboxd. So Just Watch gave the original Wicker Man an 81%. So it's high scores across the fucking Holy board shit, for yeah. this movie. Like everybody loves this movie. Plot. Police Sergeant Neil Howie is called to an island village in search of a missing girl whom the locals claim never existed. Stranger still, however, are the rituals that take place there. Related media, adapted from the novel Ritual, released in 1967. Mm, indeed. Indeed. Uh, trivia. There are 116-bits more of trivia on Imdibitaba. Holy shit. Yeah, this has got a lot of fucking trivia, and I actually scoured this. Like, I I didn't just, like, grab the first 10, and, and that's it. I went through, like, all 200 and, or 126 Imdibitaba things because I truly love this movie. Mm -hmm. So finding out a lot about it was pretty cool. Um, number one, Sir Christopher Lee said that he considers this to be one of his greatest roles ever. Wow. And um, I agree. He was fucking awesome as Summerdale. And um, what else can be said? Like, he was great. Um, number two, the evil eye rowing boat, which takes Sergeant Howie, Edward Woodward, to and from his plane was not constructed for this movie. It belonged to a resident of Plockton. Upon seeing it, the producers decided it would suit the movie. The boat survived until 2004 when it was destroyed in a storm. R.I.P. to the boat. Right. Number three, many years after making the film, Edward Woodward revisited some of the locations and claimed that he found the makeshift cross that Howie makes out of some pieces of wood still intact where it was left in the original scene. That's, that's kind of creepy, but cool, because I like people pay respect to the movie. Right. Here's one of the sad parts. Sir Christopher Lee paid for his own press tour out of pocket and hit every stop willing to interview him about the movie. According to rumors, some farmers in Iowa were surprised to see him on live early morning public access shows. This man paid out of his pocket to promote this movie. Christopher Lee, Sir Christopher Lee, went on a press tour in America to try and get this movie off the fucking ground. That's so sad. And, like, it didn't make anything. Hmm. He probably spent more yeah. doing a press tour than this movie fucking made. That's, that's... Shout out to the homie, yeah. Shout out to fucking Sir Christopher Lee. Uh, number five, this is also sad. The negative and the outtakes of this movie were stored in the vault at Shepperton Studios. After the company was purchased by new owners, they ordered the vault to be cleared of all old material. 
the vault manager accidentally put the negatives which just arrived from the lab with the ones that were to be destroyed oh my god yeah dude that's fucking heartbreaking but the sad thing is like the super sad thing that happened a lot in the uk in the 60s and 70s because they would record shows for like bbc and movies and stuff but then use that same tape and do it over something else or just get rid of everything entirely like they didn't keep any archives they didn't do anything that's why like in doctor who the first season is incomplete and the second season's incomplete because those tapes don't exist or they were re-recorded mm-hmm. so um, and another bit of bad news Rod Stewart, you know, the fucking famous lead singer, or not lead singer, but the famous singer of all, like, one of the famous of all times, launched an attempt to block the release when he learned that his then-girlfriend, Britt Eklund, appeared naked in the movie. Bro, so you got Sir Christopher Lee using his own money to fund a, a media tour for the film. Rod Stewart, one of the most famous singers, trying to block your fucking movie from happening like this this is some shit (laughs) um number seven the director's cut there is a scene in which we see sergeant howie edward woodward and pc mctaggart john hallam in their police car that was filmed in a garage the illusion of passing cars was created by two crew members waving flashlights past their windshield that's cool Number eight, the later comedy horror police procedural film, Hot Fuzz, featuring <laughs> Edward Woodward and the ensemble cast, includes some story parallels with The Wicker Man. I didn't even realize that that could be considered a horror film. Yeah. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Uh, number nine, there's actually a small archipelago in Scotland called the Summer Isles. Naha Ileman Samadorala. I put an L there somewhere. My bad. However, there's, this a, is, there's an L in the middle name. You were good. Oh, okay. Is apparently unconnected with this movie, <laughs> at least consciously. Bermuda was also formerly no, known as Summer's Isle. That's cool. Number 10. New York City police detectives screened the film as part of their investigation into the Son of Sam murders. This was due to the killer making reference to the Wicked King Wicker in one of his letters leading some to believe that there was a connection between the film and the murders. That's pretty oh, fucking dope. Um, so we have a mammoth cast here. Mm. Let me um, get fucking going. So that way in a mile, I'll be done. <laughs> Edward Norton as Sergeant Neil Howie, Sir Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle, Britt Eklund as Willa McGregor, Annie Ross as Willa McGregor's voice, Rachel Verney as Willa McGregor, singing voice. Leslie Mackey as Daisy. Diane Salento as Miss Rose. Ingrid Pitt as Librarian. Lindsay Kemp as Alder McGregor, the landlord. The landlord's daughter. Russell Waters as Harbormaster. Aubrey Morris as Old Gardener slash Gravedigger. Irene Sunter as Mae Morrison. Jennifer Martin as Myrtle Morrison. Donald Eccles as T.H. Lennox, Walter Carr as Schoolmaster, Roy Boyd as Broom, Peter Brewis as Musician, Geraldine Cowper as Rowan Morrison, John Young as Fishmonger, Myra Forsyth as Miss Grimmond, 
Allison Hughes as Sergeant Howie's fiance, Barbara Rafferty as woman with baby. That's that's Josh's favorite woman, woman with baby. John Sharp as Dr. Ewan in the longer version. John Halam as Police Constable McTaggart in the longer version. And Tony Roper as Postman in the longer version. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. I want to kill myself. Um, in game, of course. In game, of course. Uh, also, there was one more bit of trivia that um, I didn't put into this because I wanted to save it until the end. Not only did Sir Christopher Lee pay for his own um press tour to get production or for the movie to be out there but um he also didn't take pay for the movie are you fucking kidding me he worked on the movie for free wow like he really believed in this movie that is wild it deserves better it does Mm. so um let's talk about deserves better so we got the wicker man remake with a runtime of an hour and 42 minutes, the release date was September 1st, 2006. It was produced by Nicolas Cage, Boaz Davidson, uh, Randall Emmett, Norm Golightly, awesome name, mm-hmm. Abby Lerner, and John Thompson. Holy shit, enough fucking producers. The production companies, right? Alcon Entertainment, Millennium Films, Emmett Furla Films, and Saturn Films. How many films are we going to get in that too? All the films. Uh, the budget was $40 million. And the box office only made 38.8, so it didn't even make back. It was so fucking close, though. Mm. 2.2 million was all it needed. That bugs me. Right. Uh, the screenplay by Neil Laboot, directed by Neil Laboot, and cinematography by Paul Sorosi? Yeah. Question mark added on the end. Uh, edited by Joel Plotch, and music by Angelo. Oh my goodness, Battlementi. I think I got it. Where to watch? You can rent or buy The Wicker Man on Apple iTunes, Amazon Video, Google Play Movies, YouTube, Microsoft Store, DirecTV, and Redbox as download. Wow, the ratings. A 3.7 out of 10 from MDIB. Blah, blah, 15% from Rotten Tomatoes. And 47% on Just Watch. Wow. Yep, literally like... <laughs> Half and less than half across the board, dude. The plot. A sheriff investigating the disappearance of a young girl from a small island discovers there is a larger mystery to be solved among the island's secretive neo-pagan community. The related media. It's adapted from the novel Ritual, released in 1967. And for the trivia, we have 24 more in MDIB, not 10,000 like the OG. Mm, nope. Number one, Robin Hardy director and co-writer of the original film, and Christopher Lee, who played Summer's Isle in the original film, were both critical of the remake. Hardy had his name removed from the film's credits as he did not wish to be associated with it. That tells you everything you need to know. Damn. Number two. The film was originally rated 18 for extreme violence, disturbing images, language, and thematic elements, but director Neil Laboot wanted a broader audience, so they cut most of the scenes out, some of which have been included in the unrated version of the DVD, to deem it a 12. However, there are about four minutes of additional cut footage that are not shown in the unrated DVD, like the B scene. Oh, God, they're in my eyes. <laughs> Number three, the film is dedicated to late musician Johnny Ramone, who introduced Nicolas Cage to Robin Hardy's original The Wicker Man in 1973. Number four, in the classroom scene, there is a phrase in Irish above the blackboard that reads, Neon, Clegg, and Re, I hope. Uh, which translates literally 
as the king does not have a single sting. Over 80% of the dialogue is word for word the same as in the original uh, Wicker Man. I'll bet sometimes in different contexts. Isn't that kind of how all remakes are, though? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this one literally had like, oh, God, I'm sorry. This one literally had like almost word for word repeat for the majority of the film, hmm. which made it like super different as well, because a lot of remakes change a lot of things. But this is literally like running parallel. Cough, cough, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, right. Remake, cough, cough. <laughs> uh, number six. I almost said Edward Norton. Uh, Edward Woodward, star of the original <laughs> Wicker Man, has said that while he was offered a part in the remake and decline, he nevertheless was surprisingly impressed by the quality of the script. Nonetheless, the name of the young girl was changed from Rowan Morrison in the original to Rowan Woodward for this film as a tribute. The island seems to be run as a matriarchal society with a single female leader and the male inhabitants being submissive servants, also implied to be sex slaves too. This is in reference to bees being eosocial, yes, with a single fertile queen laying the eggs and running the hive of worker bees and drones. I didn't even think about that. Right. Uh, Number eight, when Noah Ryder turned down the role of Willow in this film, as she hated the script. Uh, Number nine, Nicolas Cage objected objected to the criticism that the film was unintentionally funny saying that he and neil the boot knowingly made the picture an absurd an absurdist black comedy and that it should have been seen and judged as such mm-hmm. you mean his shit bombed that he was making excuses no yeah absolutely dude because after watching this movie there's no way in hell that it's an absurdist black comedy i'm sorry and then uh number 10 it was not screened for critics yep the cast nicholas cage is edward mullis edward norton did I say Edward Norton? No, no, no. Oh, God. Malice, but I, you wanted to say Norton earlier, so <laughs> I, I, never mind. No, I, I genuinely thought I said it. You <laughs> forgot. Uh, Ellen Burstyn as Sister Summers Isle. Kate Behan as Sister Willow Woodward. Lily Sobeski as Sister Honey. Uh, Francis Conroy as Dr. T.H. Moss. Molly Parker as Sister Rose. Diane Delano as Sister Beach. Mary Black as Sister Oak. Holy shit. Uh, Christine Wiles as Sister Violet. Oh, yes, of course. Another sister. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Erica Shea at, I'm sorry, Erica Shea Gare as Rowan Woodward. Michael Wiseman as Officer Pete. David uh, Purvis as Ivy. Sophie Hugh as Daisy. Sam Velasquez as Whitney. Aaron Eckerd as Truck Stop Patron. George A. Murphy as Virginity Protector. Best character. Best character. Matthew Walker as C Plane Pilot. James Franco as Police Officer mm-hmm. at Bar at the end. And Jason Ritter as bar guy number two. What a cast. Oh, yeah. Top tier. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, seriously, yeah, it's it's a pretty damn fantastic cast. Um, Lily Sobieski. I want to talk about her real quick. I have had a crush on her for like the longest fucking time, man. So, before we get into our, our scoring, bro, let's talk about the films a smidgen, shall we? Yeah, let's go for it, man. Did you enjoy the fact that the the OG kind of reminded me, well, of course, it, it would have been reversed because I think this came out first, of like the Pink Floyd movie, The Wall, because of them it's, actually was, singing. Right. And it was kind of like a musical-ish. And it was it. like absurd as well. And I love it because they were basically Irish folk songs. 
that they would sing instead of it just being like a random soundtrack in the background which i fucking yeah. loved and it was really cool because like when when he was sexually sacrificed to the siren they were all looking up to the second story and singing the song it was like mm -hmm. hella creepy and weird but yeah what i love about um officer neil is uh he is probably one of the smartest main characters I've seen because he like didn't put up with anyone anyone's bullshit. He's like, I don't, they're like, you have permission? I don't give a fuck. I'm a cop. Fuck. I'm a cop, dog. You better show me that fucking student uh, directory or whatever. Fucking snatched it. Snatched it. Like, I know that they did it in the remake, but Nicolas Cage to me came off as like that guy who thinks he's tough because he wears a leather jacket and wears biker sunglasses. Yeah. That, that's just... he. I'm sorry. I just can't see Nicolas Cage as like this tough guy fucking cop. But I just I just love that he ended up having like tweed jacket. Yeah. As it was all going on. I also like the fact that he was a fucking kung fu master. Like, you know, because Nicolas Cage was a producer, you know, he was like, you know, it'd be really cool. Oh, is yeah. that if I started fighting this chick and I just karate kick the shit out of her and send her like 10 feet across the room. <laughs> like, yeah, that's realistic, right? Like, I, right, Dude. Right. And in the fucking remake... How come he always had a flashback of him on the boat having a flashback of the girl getting hit by a car? Right. And did you like at the beginning, too, that when the car was on fire, the little girl wasn't screaming, crying. She, she was, was just blankly at staring at him. Yeah. And he goes, grab my hand. And she does nothing. And then the car just blows up. Yeah, it's fucking pretty wild. In my opinion, remake is so bad, it's good. It's a, it's a meme movie to me. I I can genuinely say that the remake should be honestly looked at more as a sequel than a remake because they do talk about Summer Isle and all that shit in the movie. Like they, they talk about the original 1974 one in the movie. So it's like they took their ideas and adapted them for the United States. So I really think that it could be argued that this is a sequel instead of a remake, but it could also be argued that it's a remake instead. Just one little sentence doesn't mean yeah. that it's connected, you know? Um, what was jarring for me the whole time I was watching the remake is I was expecting them to have accents. Like, I kept expecting them to talk with some kind of... Well, the like bar I, the bar maiden kind of had an accent. Hello, Thor. <laughs> Lily Sobieski's character kind of had an accent. But none of them actually had accents. They all kind of had accents. Even though I'm sure in Maine they have an accent. Like they have their own dialect down there too. And they sounded nothing like... Wasn't it Maine where they went? Washington. Washington. Yeah, it was out California. But still, don't they have like an accent or no? But but I mean, they would have their 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 dialect. Their... How they pronounce words. Because, you know, across the United States, like take crayon for instance... Some parts pronounce it crayon. Some parts pronounce it fucking crown. And some parts pronounce it crayon. Like, it, they have their own dialect over there. And the way they kind of pronounce things in Washington and California and all that. So, really, it, it didn't do their accents justice. I mean, we technically have a Philly accent. Do we? Yeah, because we're so close and everybody's got like that whole thing going on. Like, I can't tell you how many times like people have asked me, where are you from? Yo, Philly. Yeah, John, John, John. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> but yeah, 
I mean, the um, the original one to me was like just this classic piece of fucking cinema, though. Oh, it's I, it's really good. I was surprised on how much I enjoyed it personally. Yeah, the cinematography for me is something that really sticks out. You know, I'm a cinematography buff, and you're good. The symmetry, like especially close towards the end of the movie, where all the animal heads popped up and shit. And like how it pulled out perfectly for every, oh God, it's just, I love the original so much because of its cinematography. It's just like the way that they focus on scenes and how they do slow pans and ah, chef's kiss. The OG did so well of doing those scenic shots because it it was just beautiful landscapes. It wasn't anything plain. Remake literally just recorded a a fucking, just a random mountain or a rock or just let's, let's point it towards like the ocean or a lake or something. That was it. Yeah. And dude, so much padding time. Did I really need to see Nicolas Cage walk the literal route from the boat to the village? And ride a bike throughout the entire fucking woods. Here, I'm going to help you with these trees, random people I don't know that you're putting on there. Oh, and they all fell. What the fuck? And I saved you and I left. I didn't even say bye. And it pisses me off they took out the chop shop scene. Yeah. yeah that was such a yeah. unique like execution so style. Yeah, thing, it was so yeah. cool. But, uh, like... And the original Wicker Man had this super fucking creepiness about it. Even the saturation of the film made it seem creepier. I don't know why. But it was just like, it's one of those movies where it doesn't look creepy. But the more you think about it, the more you think about everything taking place in daylight, the more you think about like fucking intestines hanging from bushes and uh, they them putting like March hairs into caskets, and it's just the whole movie has this whole fucking just like and it is it's a twisted game. It's a mental breakdown game. They admit to it at the end of the movie. Like it's ridiculous. It's really a horrifying movie when you think about it. It bothered me that in the remake they took out the hair in the coffin and they just replaced it with a creepy doll. Because yeah, yeah. there's so much foreshadowing in the OG because the little girl's drawing it the and the candies yep. and all that. Yep. So that kind of draws to that to show them right there. If you didn't pick it up by that point, that right there is a reveal of the whole village is bullshitting. Yep. And what I preferred about Officer Neil compared to Nicolas Cage, because it was pretty much Nicolas Cage. Like, oh, that's every, all I saw. Every movie is Nicolas Cage you know what just I mean? being Nicolas Cage. And he went out jacket. So, like a Chad. While they're taunting him and praying at him and all that shit in the original, he prays it was God. Nope. And he he puts a curse upon that house. Like he he basically tells God to curse their crops. That's yep. an OG way. You know what Nicholas Cage did? Yep. Screamed like a bitch. That was it. Yep. I I gotta say one part that had me dying laughing. One of the many in the re, in the fucking remake was they showed him get captured and all that, and they didn't even show what they did to him because you just hear him screaming that they broke Mm. his legs, but you realize the directors were like, Oh fuck, how are they going to know what happened? So he physically just like, Oh my God, my legs crunch noise. Like that, you know that they meant to film something they completely forgot to do. So like, I will just have him do a voiceover. Fuck it. Mm. Because they, in the alternate version, they at least kept the fucking bee mask. Yep. Not the bee. Oh, God, they're in my eyes. They're in my eyes. And I also hate the fact that the remake made it to where the whole purpose was just for the honey when the remake was about crops in general, all of their food. I know it was apples mostly, but it was their crops in total. 
Yeah, no, 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 you just reversed that. The the remake was all about the honey and no, I said remake first. I swore you no. said remake second. I said I just hate the fact that the remake made it about the bees and the honey. Oh, okay. When the remake made it about the OG. Crops. Oh, that's what the OG was about the crops. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where because you, you said remake twice, it fucked me up. Yeah, my day. Okay, it's all good. Um, yeah, the OG was about the crops, the meats, the 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 entire island surviving. You know, and how he went out like singing the songs of his God and to fight against the songs of their God. And they're just like swaying back and forth with smiles on their faces as like lambs and goats and a human sacrifice gets burned alive. Like it's just and the noises that the fucking animals are making and shit like ah. My, my one last complaint about the remake is I hate the fact they took the easy route of the He's only technically he's only really going to that island. I know it's his his ex fiance or whatever, but it's because he wanted he felt bad for the little girl he didn't save at the beginning. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's just and they went with the corny ass like it's his wife went back to the cult. I know spoilers for old ass movie that she like lured him in to betray him. Right. Right. But it's just like I just don't like it when it's always about like a couple. Like it has to be, yep. I'm doing it for my wife. Yeah. I'm doing it for my fiance that ran away and secretly gave birth to our child. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I just care. Oh, I'm yeah. cutting myself off here. The most awkward kiss I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Between, then outside. Yeah. Like making out at the cabin. And then yeah. and he's like, I'll be back. You stay here. And then he just like randomly kisses her. Like, you know, that shit wasn't scripted. He just wanted to kiss her. He just wanted to kiss her. She do got some, some DSLs though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah scores if you know you know um yeah let's do scores man because uh we actually talked a lot about these movies like more than i think we thought we were going to yeah but i mean the original does need that gushing of love because it's really on, good. in all honesty i know that it's on like a lot of um elitist horror fan top lists and shit but really and truthfully it's a hidden gem like when it's, it comes, it's definitely a sleeper. It, it's definitely a sleeper. I don't know if we'd be able to put it in with our list of hidden gems, but it would be in the list of sleepers and shit, like 1,000%. It, it, it's made a very massive name for itself on like the cult scene, mm-hmm. the cult horror scene. And it's why Burning Man happens. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it got to pay a little bit more respect to the original, man. It never gets it. Agreed. <laughs> so, for acting which one did you go with sir the original because the remake is just overacting the movie i went with original as well with directing directing i went with og i went with og as well just because again i i hate the whole romantic plot to it yep and i also in the uh, og cinematography directing they go hand in hand and it was just beautifully fucking shot so um the writing in the plot i gave the og i gave the og as well um killer slash killers See, this is rough because with the killers, I like the fact that they at least broke his legs. But I, because the only real, yeah, no, I, I want to. I'm gonna give it to OG. I gave it to OG without a shadow of a yeah. doubt because how morbid and fucked up they were when they had like parts of the intestines and stuff, and how they laughed every time they pulled one off on him, like the little girl falling and laying down with blood coming out of her mouth and then like laughing at him when he got close to her and running away. Like that's some mind trick shit, dude. 
like taunting him through the fucking streets when they were banging the little drums and trying to get him to fucking have sex with her like that that whole shit is nothing but mind games and that's why i think the summer isle originals and especially like how he found rowan at the end and she's like mommy mommy did i do good and he's mm-hmm. like oh you did great baby and that whole realization that you're not making off of the, it off of the silent alive like that mm-hmm. og one the killers were fucking phenomenal like it was the- it was great I just don't like in the remake that they made like it seemed like they were more like possessed crazy people yeah. when they seem more normal and cultist like oh this is just our normal life in the OG right. which I like better and the other one it's like especially the school scene they make the little kids seem like they're like these evil villains not just like this is their life they're just fucking serial killers they just didn't do it right, right. so yeah I'll give it to OG um casting I gave to OG because I know that there's a stellar fucking cast for the remake, but just with fucking Woodward and Lee alone, the power that both of those have on screen to me and the way they handled their roles with such honest conviction, like their fucking scenes together were just like amazing. So just based off of them two carrying shit, I I gave it to the OJ. That's just me, though. I'm just, uh, I said remakes for names alone. Right. No, I gotcha. Um, soundtrack. Oh, 100% OJ. 100% OJ because they sing their songs. Soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. They sing the Love songs. It. And the music for the remake didn't sound like it fit. And it was just a like, lot of like that, the shrieking violin shit. Like that yeah. was it. But it, like I said, it just, there was some points where it almost felt like there was like kind of like it wanted to be dance music and yeah. shit mm-hmm. and it, but it had like a weird horror overtone to it. I don't know. I just, the, the OG soundtrack is 1000% where it's at for me. Um, gore slash kills. I give it to OG. Absolutely OG. Uh, we've talked about it a few times already. Um, yeah. Uh, the pacing of the film. I gave oh, it OG. Yeah, definitely OG, bro. Yeah. Um, time period of the film? OG. OG. It, it makes more sense to me that A, because they're more religious in the UK. Like, it's a lot stronger of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know and I mean? Especially in the, the fucking 70s, like, after all the, the free love shit happened and uh, them trying to get away from... Uh, promiscuity is... Uh, actually being promiscuous now them trying to way to get to get away from like the prude sense of the english like this movie represented still like that free love uh craziness of the late 60s going into the early 70s uh, yeah just the, the time period matched it perfectly so what about environment OG, just because of what I said, it just makes more sense of where like the story would take place and the way it was done. Yeah, religion absolutely. versus religion compared to just like a, a cult that wants to again do like the run like a, a a queen bee type situation. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, the nudity. I gave the OG because uh, it was a more tasteful nudity. Yeah, and and them titties were fucking super nice, <laughs> like super duper nice, and the porn. I said remake just because it's more up to date looking. <laughs> I can see more, more meat. I gave it to the OG one because they're just banging in fucking fields and there's titties everywhere. So, yeah. 
Um, I gave it a perfect score of 10 to the OJ. Um, and then the joke categories also went to the OJ as well. I just have a porn and casting for the remake. So, Oh, everything else is a 10 for OJ? Oh, oh, porn and casting. Yeah, yeah. So, so out of the actual ten, you have nine. So, yeah, we've got nineteen. Clearly, the winner this week is the OG Wicker Man. If you want to laugh, um, watch the remake. Yeah, if you want to laugh, watch the remake. Um, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, so, as we do with every episode, and um, when we're done the actual war portion, we take what we believe to be the best parts of the film and kind of mix them together to create, you know, our ideal film. So what would you take, if anything, from the remake Wicker Man to put into the OG? And what would you take, if anything, from the OG to put in the remake? Or what would your ultimate film look like? Let me keep it a buck 20 with you. I would just keep OG the same and just keep that the only thing to exist. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I got nothing. Like nothing okay. from remake is good. All right, good. I I didn't know if you wanted to bring over Nick Cage to replace nope. the officer Fuck or something no. or nope. I you know, the look, let me be honest with you. The only thing that I would change Never mind. No, I wouldn't even change that because it would just involve keeping the original the original. Never mind. Yeah, OG yeah, is just too good. To OG is just too fucking yeah. good. Like I mean I'm just thinking about like that opening fucking scene where he lands and he comes across the fucking dock people and yep. just the way they look at him, mm-hmm. the way that those half moon spectacles were like, it's just, oh, it's, it's good. creepy. Definitely. It's got a weird creepiness to it. Sorry, man. No, no, no. I'm, saying, I'm just saying just you, if, if you can't buy it, you've just got to watch it at least once. It's so worth. Yeah. Yeah. It It's kind of a slow right burn. Hmm? No, I was saying or run it. I said watch it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a slow burn. You don't really feel that hour and 42 minutes, though, but you do feel it with the remake. So um, I'm 1,000% glad you agree with me that the OG yeah. is just that far superior. far superior and needs more love. And yeah, so that's going to be the end for the war portion this week. Uh, sorry to the remake Wicker Man. But you're, you're a meme. You're a meme, and you're vastly, vastly in superior Agreed. of the OJ. How about we take some time to relax? Cozy up book club style for a few minutes, and let's have a chat with the Horror Club. sing it today switch up a little bit all right switch it up then sir um (laughs) today we have mid somar which is obviously chosen to go hand in hand with the wicker man versus the wicker man because this is pretty much wicker man right um today's overarching theme is folklore anyway folklore horror so like i mean like we've got it down to a fucking science Mm -hmm. with this episode man but um yeah, so uh, the release date for Midsommar was July third, twenty nineteen, which made a lot of made a lot of people mad because 
this actually came out like a few weeks after actual Midsommar. <laughs> so like, why didn't they just release it? You Genius. Know? Right. Runtime. The first time I watched this movie. That's my only nitpick how long this shit is. The first time I watched this movie, I was like, damn, it really could have been Midsommar and Midsommar 2. You could have left it on a cliffhanger. Jesus. And then a year later released the second part. Agreed. Um, and it would have been great because this movie's two hours and 51 minutes. Way too long. Way too long. And don't you know, they had the fucking audacity to release an extended cut to release a 30 minute extended cut. So a three hour movie, a three hour and like 20 minute movie. I'm good. I am good fam. I can't sit in a fucking Marvel cinematic movie for two hours and 51 minutes without taking a fucking break. I am glad that I waited until this movie came to um, like voodoo and stuff because I first saw it last year or no in 2021. I'm sorry. I waited two years to see this movie and I'm very glad I did because if I would have saw it in theaters, I would have fucking hated it because of how long it was. And I probably would have hated it because of all the hype that the movie had. If you remember when Midsommar came out, it was just like everybody was like fawning over the movie. It's a pretty movie. And that's because the budget was $9 million and it made $47.86 million. Definitely deserved. Definitely, definitely deserved. Um, the movie was produced by Patrick Anderson and Lars Knudsen. The screenplay was by Ari Aster, directed by Ari Aster. Cinematography, I'm going to get this man's name wrong, and I'm so sorry because the cinematography on this film is absolutely gorgeous, and he he doesn't deserve what I'm about to say about his name. <laughs> and I'm I'm really sorry, but his name is Powell Pogorzaliski. Hey, sounds right to me. Okay, I hope I did justice, Powell Pogorzelski. I really hope I'm saying that right, because your cinematography was gorgeous. Edited by Lucian Johnston, and music by Bobby Krillick. So, sir, do you want to take over the plot? Plot. Several friends travel to Sweden to study a... Anthro Paulo Justis to study as anthropologists. Ah, a summer festival that is held every every ninety years in the remote hometown of one of them, which is in Sweden, yep. uh, which begins as a dream vacation in a place where the sun never sets. Gradually turns into a dark nightmare as the mysterious inhabitants invite them to participate in their disturbing festive activities. Holy list. Yeah. <clears throat> All you I'll bud. take the cast and you'll take the, the must read film fact. Okay. Because the must read film fact is actually pretty cool. Okay. Starring Florence Puh as Danny Ardor, Jack Raynor as Christian Hughes, Wilhelm Brom, Blomgreen as Pell, William Jackson Harper as Josh, Will Poulter as Mark, Elora Torchia as Connie. Archie Madequi as Simon, Henrik Norlin as Ulf, 
Gunnel Fred as Siv, Isabel Grill as Maja, Agnes Race as Dagny, Julia Ragnarsson as Inga, Mats Blomgren as Odd, Lars Vargener as Sten, Anna Astrom as Karin, Hampus Halberg as Ingmar, Liv Mjolnius as Ula, Luis Peterhoff as Hanna, Katrina Weedhagen as Ilva, Bjorn Anderson as Dan. <laughs> okay, that's such yeah, a severe a contrast. Severe contrast. <laughs> Thomas Engstrom as Jarl. <laughs> Dan Anderson as Sven. There's got to be a fucking Sven. Leonard R. Svensson as Mats. <laughs> Anders Beckham as Arn. Rebecca Johnston as Ukir Ulrika. Tove Sidesugoff as Majvor. It's getting harder. Anders Back as Valentin. Anki Larson as Irma. Levent Puzko Smith as Ruben. Gabriella Fawn as Danny's mother. Zlots Bajari as Danny's father. Claudia Snalzi as Terry Ardor. <sighs> Thanks, man. Uh, the mustard film fract from Imdib. Pay close attention to the meal scenes. With the one exception of Christian taking a bite out of his own meat pie, you never see the natives actually eat anything. Their forks are always vacant, and only the very tips of the ends of the forks go to their mouth. But they seem to chew something. In addition to the meals, also pay attention to the food being served. Almost all of it is rotten or rotted, the meat in particular. Yuck. Yeah, I never... Yeah, that was just weird. Like, every time I would watch it, or the entire time it would go to some kind of dinner scene, I'm like, why aren't they eating? Why the fuck are they just staring? And not to mention, like, all the fucking background LSD shit that they had going on in the fucking movie too with like all the swirls and like the pulsing of the film and it was just like really fucking out there the pew pie yeah it was it was wild to say the very least um so here we have our talking points which will lead us to the um rent or pass rent or buy mm -hmm. grading system that we have here so we've got some of those from the actual war portion of the show so it's acting directing writing slash plot killer casting soundtrack gore slash kills and pacing and we break those down and that's what determines our final score so acting what do you think about that when it wasn't just you know focusing on someone walking a long distance scenes acting is really good yeah, all, all genuine emotions. I believe that everyone there was fucking nuts, all of it. And I like the fact that they didn't really show the what they were saying in Sweden and Swedish. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just kind of yeah. it, it goes to show that we wouldn't understand it. Like it actually gave us a real look. And if we were in a cult in another country, then it yep. would be hard to even know what the fuck that they were talking about or plotting because we don't understand because yep, we don't understand. And that's actually one of the film facts that uh, MDiv had that it was deliberately done that way to make you feel 
nervous. Oh, there you go. To make you feel uneasy, to make you feel that feeling of what the fuck is going on. It was all really good. The mimicking, the pain, and feeling the feelings of others was such a good idea. I like that. Yeah, the the acting of it is just, especially when Florence Puh's character is just sitting there screaming and they're just, you know, holding on to each other and watching her and scream. Oh, they finally just, let her cry. It's weird. It's like yeah. a catharsis because she, you can tell she's so emotionally challenged the whole time. Yeah. And vacant that she finally has like someone she can cry with. Like she has a family again, even though she just yeah. lost her parents. It's, it's wildly, wildly crazy. It's really um, good acting. The directing. Really good. Yep. Cinematography. <laughs> there you go. If you want to see a beautiful part of Sweden, watch that movie. Yeah, they do it justice. The The film is absolutely beautiful. The Wicker Man being filmed in daylight, mostly in the 70s, was very cool because of the contrast and the starkness of the colors. But when you look at how punchy we can get colors to look on screen now. It's this movie's a testament to it because it was so bright and vivid and just fucking off the wall. Like it was beautiful. You were basically tripping the whole time. Yeah. And they, they had tripping things happening in the background for half the fucking movie. So literally it made you feel like what the fuck is going on because, um, this is some weird shit. So the writing and plot that goes into the next thing, man, like, it was good. It, <laughs> I mean, it's Wicker Man, but it's got a bit of a twist. It's got a bit of a twist. Yeah, it's it's they're they're crowning the May Queen, but they still put her on fire and fucking kill her. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the killers for this one, um, they were absolutely fucking batshit crazy. I. Uh... I like that they there was a little homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they had Mark's face on that dude when he when they hit Josh in the head with a hammer. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, they were brutal. They were brutal. Smashing the, the old man's face in when somehow he missed the world's largest fucking rock. Yep. And again, yep. going back to them screaming like he is, or gurgling like he is. Yep. And showing them actually smash his face like yeah, seeing like them cave repeated. it in. Is, creepy as fuck yeah it, it was that scene was very disturbing like i mean to me it was just brutal and like being open with it like just showing you it like you said so yeah um casting top tier it was good stuff yeah. I, i've never heard of those actors to be honest but they did a good job florence puh or a pug or however you want to say it she's actually like blossoming into a hollywood mainstay like she was in don't worry darling she's in fucking black widow she's one of the main characters like she's really developing a huge following i'll be honest like, I got a little crush on her. I think she's oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. so cute. Absolutely. 1,000 fucking percent, dude. Um, soundtrack. That was good because they still technically sung and they played music. Yep, exactly. Um, the gore and kills. We've already talked just a little bit about Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Oh, a fucking blood eagle, bro. The blood. Yeah, dude. Everything. Everything's just fucking wicked in this movie. And, and just the subtlety, the subtleness, the subtleness. There it is. The subtleness of like how things are done. Mm-hmm. 
and just that daylight, that daylight is always something that just like plagues my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, was there any other ones for the Goran kills? That, eh, because you don't really see Connie die and you don't see right. her boyfriend go, but right. whenever they did show anything, it, it was, it was definitely, it brutal. was all or nothing. It was good. Yeah. The pacing. Jesus fucking. It just, pacing. okay. That, that's my lineup. It's just too long of a fucking movie. It is way too long of a movie. That two hours and 51 minutes, man. You really feel that you shit. You feel that shit. Um, another main reason why I'm so glad I waited to see this movie at home versus in theaters is because I would have had to pay. Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. I'm I'm 38 years old. I would have had to pay. My bladder ain't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. I would have had to pay. I'm singing now, so I should probably stop. But yeah, um, so pass runner by, dude. But, bye. Yeah, bye. If you can't buy, you got to make sure you see it somehow. Yeah, you definitely have to see. You definitely have to see Midsommar. Even even if it's just once, you've got to put it on your repertoire of films you've seen. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, that was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we're done now. What a good movie. What a great fucking movie, right? Eh? Eh? Everyone loves the top five. What will Rob and Josh be counting down this week? Find out as they discuss the list. what i did Hmm. i didn't make a top five oh god i'm sorry okay i um when we when we were going to do this originally it was going to be top five pagan mythology horror films and we realized that like that kind of stopped us from going full on with mythology Mm -hmm. because even though the movies that we explored were specifically pagan mythology and stuff like that. Um, I had found a list of the video games for the next segment, the next couple segments and everything. Like, so we, we feel like opening it up to all folk horror was probably one of the best things that we could have done because we got to include a lot of different things. So, First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to the documentary that's available on Prime Video um, with ads. It's uh, free, so it it's a long documentary, but it's called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. If you want to see how many folk horror movies there are and how cool and how utterly batshit crazy some of them are, please go check out that documentary because it is a wonderful, wonderfully done take on folk horror. Um, with that being said, the movie, the documentary came out in like 2021. So because of that documentary, I was able to see a lot of movies that I didn't know existed or something like that. So that's why I wanted to give a shout out to it because it opened up that folklore horror film thing for today so with that being said i'm going to go through 10 and 10 through 6 real quick so that way uh josh can't fucking have a hemorrhage and a hemorrhage and want to fight me (laughs) so 
Number 10 is Norori, The Curse from 2005. Number 9 is The Blood on Satan's Claw from 1971. Number 8 is The Wailing from 2016. Number 7 is Midsommar from 2019. Nice. Number 6 is The Blair Witch Project from 1999. Nice. Um, What is your number 5? My number 5 is In the Tall Grass. With Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring. Oh my God! Can we do a, a top a high five real quick? Because that's my number five. Too. That's actually the one I recommended to you last time I was here. Remember? Yep, and I watched it. Um, so really fantastic time loop movie. Um, came out uh, twenty nineteen and just absolutely phenomenal. It's on Netflix as of this date. As of what? No, I'm saying it's, it's oh, just in case in the future yeah, yeah. they ever take it off. Oh, true, true. Because it's not a Netflix original film. Mm-hmm. It's it's just on Netflix. Um, yeah, but in the tall grass, dude, absolutely fucking wonderful film. Um, what is your number four? My number four is Midsummer. I actually really enjoyed it. I just wish it wasn't ten hours long. No, I get it. I get it. But that, in all honesty, that's one of the main reasons why Midsummer is number seven. And it's behind the Blair Witch Project and um, the fucking movie we just say. In the tall grass. In the tall grass. <laughs> yep. Um, number four for me is Jug Face from 2013. I've never heard of that. Dude, it is fucking sick. It is twisted. It is wild. Um, I highly recommend it's free on Tubi TV right now. Uh, I won't get too much into it because it could be one of those movies that, that you may consider a hidden gem. Okay. Okay. So, um, what's your, what? No, I challenge you with that. I'm okay. going to throw you mine because mine's a number three that you might see as a hidden gem. Okay. So, uh, did you do your four yet? Yeah. Okay. It so was Midsummer. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's your number three? Number three is called lamb. Ooh, lamb is wild. You've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I was going to say, it's it's the one where uh, a, a couple, I forget what, what UK uh, area it is. They basically find a a lamb-headed child. Mm-hmm. And it, it's literally what it sounds it's like. It doesn't talk, what, yep. nothing. So yeah. I, I highly recommend people to watch that one. So that's my number three, lamb. Okay, my number three is Krampus from 2015. I did. I I do know of that one. Yeah, Krampus is actually you know German fucking demon thing that takes away children, and <laughs> they made an amazing one for it in 2015. It had a lot of movie stars in it. Very big production. Krampus itself looked absolutely terrifying. Is just this like soulless Santa Claus with black eyes and black mouth and just like it looked like a mask over it. It was just lurching and awesome. So definitely Krampus for number three. Uh, what's your number two, sir? My number two is the Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project. I, Josh, 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 Josh. So. I can, no, look, I get it. I 1000% get it. Uh, I just feel like when I looked at everything, I, I, if I were to put the Blair Witch Project at number six, I wouldn't be able to put my number two where it's at. Okay. And my number two is The Witch. 
from 2015 or the Vich or whatever you want to call it as. The movie is by Robert Eggers. We've talked about it in the archives. We've talked about it in the archives. I went back and rewatched it recently and I had kind of a spicy take on it. Spicy. When we first talked about it, I really enjoyed it this time because it was actually very well done. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, everything in that movie was gorgeous. So, yeah, um, I know I poo-pooed on it after watching it once, but I only watched it once in 2015. I got caught up in the hype. I didn't think it was worth the hype. Um and that's actually why I didn't see Hereditary when it first came out or Midsommar when it first came out because I didn't want to get caught up in that hype and hate those movies like I ended up hating The Witch. So with that being said, your number two is Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. It's Blair Witch Project. Like that's the that's the granddaddy of shaky cam of shaky cam. <laughs> yeah. And if your number two is number two and my number two is number two, that can only tell me that your number one is going to be Wicker Man. No. Oh my God. My number one is Vivich or Witch oh or whatever. Shit. Damn. That, my number one is Wicker Man. See, I, I, I just like that movie just because of the dialect matches the time, yeah. the religious part of it, yeah. the, the, the turn at the end of the movie. Besides one of my favorite quotes I even said back in the archives was, does thou enjoy the taste of butter? So, yeah. Wouldst thou live deliciously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, the witch. The witch is... Look, like I said, my number one is The Wicker Man. I have definitely showered my love for this movie in this episode. That would, that would I would say that would be my number six. Okay. OG. Right. And and that would be Midsommar replacement for me. Like, yeah, our lists are kind of like wild in the fact of like we could easily maneuver a couple things. But no, if if the Wicker Man didn't exist, the witch would be my number one, clearly. OK, um, but because of the Wicker Man's existence and because it's so fucking wild when you really sit back and think about it, like, I mean, I know the the witch or the witch is as well when you really sit back and think about it. Mm-hmm. Like both movies are just so full of intensity. It's fucking awesome. So I, I applaud. I applaud your number one, sir. Same to you. Very nice top five. Very nice, <laughs> even though you did yeah. 10. I, uh, I'm sorry. You know, I do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Number Oh shit, will you look at that? We actually have a fucking segment for the horrors of gaming. Mm. This is the first time that we've we've actually since announcing that we were gonna have a video a horror video game section that we're actually having a horror video game section. That announcement was like two months ago. So mm. it's been like eight episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and those eight episodes were like, I ain't got nothing. We'll just we'll just figure it out later. But for this episode, because we were doing the folklore, I really wanted to to try to find a list that I felt kind of encapsulated folklore and stuff in video games. And I went to a website called thegamer.com and I found a article literally about that. 
So the article has in the context, it says the horror genre in video games has seen a massive change since 1992's Alone in the Dark, considered to be the first 3D survival horror game produced and a huge influence on the subgenre in the years that followed. Horror has evolved into larger than life series like Silent Hill or Resident Evil that continue to capture the public imagination. Simply looking into the scariest monsters in mythology and folklore gives you plenty of inspiration on how to make the best video games. The thrill of what slinks about in the shadows never fades, especially when you factor in folklore monsters straight from your worst nightmares. So this is a list, uh, again, by PC the, the gamer.com. Um, last night, I sent this list to Josh to see if he would um, check out some... Uh, articles about the games if he would uh check out some trailers kind of you know figure out what would be his favorite one because neither of us have played any of these games well i've played the one yeah 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 yeah. actually i have too to be honest with you um but all of them except for like a couple are available on steam i'll say most of them are definitely pc games most of them are definitely pc games uh number five is not available on steam but i think literally the other 19 are available on pc so, um, the other 14, I'm sorry, not 15. So that being said, I'll get into the 15, counting it down from 15 to one. And then, uh, we can kind of go and while we're talking about them, you know, ask you if you saw the trailer, or if you had the tan- the chance to do anything and then we'll go from there. So does that sound cool? That's what I'm doing. All right. So number 15 is Ikai from 2021. Did you check out a trailer for it or anything? Uh, it reminds me a bit of like a um, what was it? Oh my god! What the fuck was the other game? Emily comes home or something. It's the one that's got like the little doll that has like the clown Chester the whatever. I forget what it, what it's called, but it reminds me of that. Okay, okay, I can see that. Um, number fourteen is short creepy tales. Seven p.m. from twenty twenty. That one I I couldn't find anything for besides like a like the the trailer, but the trailer yeah, is like the fifteen seconds. And that paper mache look to it was weird. I, yeah, um, number thirteen, detention from twenty seventeen. Detention when I did watch the trailer for that one. That one reminded me of Little Nightmares. Yeah, where it's like Ooh. a side scrolly kind of chasey I can, one. I can see that. Yeah, um, I liked the trailer for Detention as well. Uh, number 12, Paranormal HK 2020. I didn't look up anything for that one. That, one, that one didn't look that interesting at all. Anyway. No. Um, number 11, Bekuame from 2022. I looked up stuff at that because it yelled at me its name. Um, I really enjoyed the trailer for it. I don't think it's better than a trailer for Detention or Akai, but um, it does look pretty good. It does. Did you see anything for Bekuame? No. Okay. Number 10, Unforgiving, A Northern Hymn from 2017. That one, to me, um, Amnesia, you ever heard of that? Yep, it just reminds amnesia. me of just yeah, a, it does. a bit of a rip off of that. Okay, I can I can get that. But it does look good. It does. Um, just not as good as Amnesia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number 9, Made of Skur from 2020. And Made is M-A-I-D, as in like, what can I get you today, sir? Not Made of Skur. That's just made of skirt. That is a Resident Evil ripoff. I yeah, actually watched a stream play that before. It's yeah, a absolute facts. <laughs> um, 
it looks like if they did it correctly, it would be a good game, but I don't know anything about it other than the trailer. I hope they did a good game out of it because um, I did see some reviews and they were like four and five stars. So it looks like it's a good game. Uh, but obviously we don't know because we don't play. Um, Pamali Indonesian Folklore Horror from 2018 is number eight. Another small house horror where you like yeah. the main level is just the house to survive. Yep. Um, it, it looks good. It looks like Silent Hills and all that shit, you know. Um, number shout seven. out to PT. Shout out to PT. Rip. Number seven is Mundon from 2021. I didn't look up anything. I didn't look up anything from that either. Number six, Dread Out series from 2014. I actually looked up some stuff about that. Yeah, Fatal Frame ripoff. Fatal Frame ripoff, but it looked like it. it you're gonna hate me for saying this. It looked like a more well done version of Fatal Frame. Okay. Like the graphics look better than in Fatal Frame. Okay. To me. To me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how it's going to play because I've never played it, but that brings us to number five, which is the, I believe, only game in the series that Josh and I have played, but I've only played the first one. He's played like all 20, and (laughs) that is the Fatal Frame series itself, which began in 2001. I remember what got me in that series was on G4 TV, the original one. There was a TV show called Cinematech. Yes. And they would show basically demos or like 30 yep. minutes of a game before yep. YouTube kiddies. Yep. 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 And uh, that's what got me into it. And then I, I got the first three. I own the first three. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Fatal Frame series is really well done. Um, it's Konami, right? Yes. No, is it, or is it Capcom? I, th- I think it's, no, I think it's Capcom. I think it's Capcom, but it's really well done. Um, I think Fatal Frame is probably behind resident evil it's it's second biggest horror franchise for capcom oh 100 yeah um because they do have a couple horror type franchises but when you come down to like straight up horror it's resident evil and then fucking fatal frame for sure uh this is going to lead us into our top four which number four is pegui from 2019 um i looked up the trailer for this one did you no i didn't okay um it looks like it could be cool. I think this is the one that's in feudal Japan, if I'm not mistaken. One of these games in the top four is from feudal Japan, and it just looks really cool how it's done. Um, number three is Home Sweet Home from 2017. I I like it just because of the disappearing wife aspect. Okay, and and, and you know, I didn't look up anything for this. It's it, it, Emily wants to play. That's the game I was thinking of. Emily wants to play. Yeah. Oh shit. But, but it's not. It, it looks okay. Some of these PC games look a little wonky to me. So yeah, yeah. Um, number two, the Ninth Gate from 2018. Not to be confused with the Johnny Depp film, The Ninth Gate. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think about this one? Or did you look up it, the trailer? Looked like an Outlast kind of yeah. take, but like yeah. in a prison in yeah, hell. I feel. I feel all of that 1000%. So it's, it would be an Outlast clone because Outlast came out first, right? Like that was 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Okay. Um, and number one is Kuan from 2004. It reminds me of uh, Japanese Nightmare Creatures. Yes. Japanese Nightmare Creatures, the game. So I, I would, I would be okay playing that. Like I really would. Um, if I had a PC, I'd give all these games a shot. A gaming yeah. PC. Yeah, absolutely, one thousand percent. Um, 
Are there any games that you feel like this list left out? Not not when it comes to folklore type stuff. I okay. feel like I feel like it, it works. Um, I feel like they left out uh Senua's sacrifice. Never even heard of it. Um God damn it. You're fine. You don't have to go for okay. the <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, Senua's sacrifice is actually like the sub for it, like the subtitle. There's actually a top part. It was done by like Team Ninja mm-hmm. and it's a really beautiful game and it became a Xbox exclusive. It was originally on PlayStation and Xbox. Hmm. It had the girl that looked like an Indian, um, like she was in a tribe and she was looking up at the darkness. But yeah, it's it's really well done. It takes a it takes a real big leap at mental disorders and the horrors of like multiple personality disorder and a whole different like thing. I think that they they left that out because that is definitely like a folklore type game. But other than that, I think they did pretty wonderful with it from, from what our limited knowledge is of it. So with that being said, we teased at the beginning of the episode that we were going to have a little bit of a talk about um, one of Josh's favorite video games Mm -hmm. now turned into a live action HBO show called, the last of us exactly and this is perfect because like i've said i've i'm i feel like i'm more knowledgeable about horror video games yeah because i don't i don't tend to go into those realms even though i like them and the fact that we're finally getting to where now horror games are being made in the tv series and stuff even though like the resident evil almost fa- a failed attempt but still like right. horror video games are now starting to become live action and they're good because of the last of us i love it I I do want to ask you real quick. Okay, I'm not familiar with... I mean, I'm familiar with The Last of Us. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with it. I know the story. I've watched the um, the the movie version of the game. Yeah. You know, how yeah. they take the mm-hmm. cinematics and everything. So I know all the major beats, all the major plot points or whatever. But you as a player of the original video game, a staunch player of the original video game. I have Platinum, the original release version, the remastered version, and then the re-remastered version. And yeah. I've 100% completed all of them. And yeah. The Last of Us too. Yeah, so let that sink in for a minute. This man loves The Last of Us. How do you feel about the story beats, the casting... Do you think they got the environment right? Like, because the the video game director said that they weren't interested in telling tales that didn't come from the video games. They weren't interested in taking liberties with things from the games. They wanted it all to be represented on screen in live action. So do you feel like they've accomplished that so far with the first episode? So with the first episode, I don't want to blow my load on it, but... I can honestly say that I normally hate when they try to add on too much like they did Mm -hmm. with The Walking Dead and all that kind of shit. And just completely veered from the original story. I love the fact that they kept in shots from the game. Mm -hmm. Almost every scene that was in the game was in the show. That's beautiful. And what they expanded on with every character was perfect. The casting fits. I don't care about the change in race for characters. Right. I enjoy that cast. My only beef is that the girl who plays Ellie... Her accent bleeds through because she's from the UK. Okay. It bleeds through and you can kind of hear it. Other than that, the cinematography is perfect. The adaptation from game to your home screen, perfect. I'm, yeah. I'm not kidding. There are there are compilations out that do the comparison scenes mm-hmm. almost to the beat perfect. 
That's awesome, man. Um, I do want to watch Last of Us, you know, as a series. Right. So we will be able to, um, I guess, kind of review it in mm-hmm. the video game section as we go along. Because, like I said, I'm going to look at it from the point of I've seen the story beats and all that. And you can look at it as the point of guru for Last of Us that you are. I was going to say it's finally a reverse of yeah, you knowing yeah. more of the horror movies yeah. than I do. So um, from what I've seen so far, um, I I will wait to grade episode one until we do episode two for the next episode. Okay. Um, because I haven't seen it yet, but I plan on actually watching it, uh, either today or tomorrow. I please. And when you do yeah. message me and we can talk about it for hours, oh, I don't care. Absolutely. And then at that point, episode two will come out and then we'll talk about that too. Okay. So as a, let's, let's, let's do a pre-grade. Okay. For you, okay. let's not give away like any reason as to like yeah, yeah. why you're grading it, but compared to the video game, what would you give it one through 10? Through 10, a 10. There you go. Even the little scenarios that they made just slightly different from the original worked. Okay. Because there are some points where they expanded on characters or introduced new ones, even if they were, you know, killed off or whatever, mm-hmm. the change was better. Or even though it was different, it still fits perfectly. And you'll see what mm-hmm. I mean. So when you watch the intro, basically the beginning part before we get to later, basically the time skip, which everyone knows about. From that point on, I want you to watch that him with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to, to watch the beginning of the game up until that point, And you will see that it's the, it's adapted perfectly. I'm telling That's you. That's awesome. Fantastic. So, all right, without giving anything away until next episode, yep. th- that's where we're going to leave it at. That's why I'm being so vague with that. Right, right. No. So, I mean, Hey, at least the listeners are going to be able to um, kind of go to those points as well. And if they are on edge about watching the show, they know that it's getting a crowning, moment here from a literal guru of the last of us video game (laughs) so um yeah 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 but i don't feel like smiling do you have something you want to say about the show something you want to ask about the show anything horror in general well it's time to talk to the people Alrighty, we are back with the final segment of the episode this week. Um, the last few episodes, we haven't had any questions or comments or anything like that, so we haven't done it. Um, we've just been kind of putting bloopers in, which there is going to be one blooper Ooh. after this as well, because we did have one fuck up before we recorded this <laughs> week. Um, so um, the first two things I'm going to read are actually comments. Um, one of them is from this this chap known as Ken Woodward. I don't know if you know who that is. Your bro Chacho. My bro Chacho. He said, I've never watched or remember watching the original Wicker Man, but the one with Nick Cage, all I can say is, not the bees. (laughs) Midsommar was forgettable. Wow. Yes. Hot take. Hot fucking take. That is one of the spiciest takes. Um, Joe Newman, who is a new commenter and all that. Welcome, Joe. Welcome. He said the original Wicker Man is the only one worth watching, to be honest. The remake missed the entire point mm-hmm. and why the original was shocking and unique. It's a completely soulless entity, and the reason remakes have such a bad rap. Midsommar has great music, and that's about it. Another fucking spicy take Ooh, on Midsommar. I like, I like that the beginning of it was a complete opposite of your brother. Right. <laughs> right. It is definitely weird. 
Um, Jared Marley, who is another first timer. Welcome. Welcome, sir. Said, how do they fuck up that badly with the remake? They just, they just the didn't world care. may never know. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's, it, it, dude, they didn't care. Like, like Josh said, they were literally just going for, for banging buck at that point. I think like, let's just make money and put remake at the end. Yeah, know. dude. I, I think that's really what it was and it sucks, but it, it's true. Um, and then we're going to end with our favorite collaborators out there. Um, the horror script podcast, Rich said, what is your favorite Nicolas Cage movie or moment in a movie? I'm, I'm just going to say the wicker man. It, it's got to be him screaming. Oh, my, oh, my legs. legs. <laughs> he turned into the fish from SpongeBob, bro. Oh, my legs. My legs. And then, of course, the alternate scene of the, the bee mask. Oh, the bees are in my eyes. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I definitely would probably say my favorite Nicolas Cage movie might be the Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff, Willy's Wonderland. I gotta see that now. Yeah, dude. Is it also meme worthy? Oh, it's it's super meme worthy. Oh, he doesn't say it. he doesn't say one fucking word the entire movie. <laughs> I got it. He say says it. nothing. It's on Hulu. Is it okay? Um, but you'll definitely be able to find it on our our site. Okay. Yeah. So, um, with that being said. This is the end of the episode this week. We want to thank, as usual, IMDb, Wikipedia, um, Just Watch, Just Watch, uh, Bloody Disgusting, Bloody Disgusting, and all the plethora of places that we get our information to pull from. Um, super happy that we've got everybody paying attention to us. Like we're we're really starting to get out there more and more and more. Thank you, guys. Thank you to everybody. Um, we said that we were going to be doing a little bit more of entertainment for you outside the realm. And Josh edited together a nice little 36 second clip, which has gotten over 5,000 views across social media platforms. Holy shit, really? Yeah. So woo. my phone agreed. Woo, woo. Said, woo, woo, woo. So thank you guys, yes, gals, non binary pals, spooky cuties, hair raising homies, and everything in between with a butthole. I'm Rob. And I'm Josh. And this has been Horror Boys. <laughs> so see you guys two and two. Yeah, we love see you, you guys. Um, love shout you. out to Chuck Woolery as usual for me stealing his shit. <gasps> oh, there's Bobby. <laughs> Bye. Please like us, follow us, and share us all over social media. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Oh, wait, before I go, if you have anything you'd like to say about the show, ask the guys, or just chat horror, touch base with them at their email, horrorwarspodcast at gmail.com, or hit them up on Instagram, horrorwarspodcast. Again, I'm Amber Brooke, and don't forget to follow me, too. Until next time, continue keeping it classy with a dash of slashy. Bye! I like that even if we fuck up the intro, we just keep it because it make I feel like it makes us more human than trying to have like the perfect like freaks, geeks, hair raising homies and all that shit. Like, even if we stumble a little bit, it's okay. So this is gonna be a blooper. Cause I'd already hit record. You didn't say anything. You didn't even make no, a signal. No, I I because I was going off of the um <laughs> this up here. What did I even say? I already forgot.